What's up? This is Mike Fenoya from Amigos, and Amigos Podcast is in the loop, the legion of Osiris Podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Check out OsirisPod.com and stay in the loop. Welcome back to Amigos. This is your host, Mike Fenoy. I hope you're doing great. Um, as always, folks, thanks so much for all the love and the reviews and the ratings. And if you haven't done so, head over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, a glowing review. Uh, follow us on Amigos Pod on Instagram, Twitter, MikeFenoya.com for dates, uh, Mike Fenoya on social media. And head over to the Amigos Podcast discussion group uh, and join the chat. Uh, if you hear my dog in the back, that's because uh, Maggie is going to be co-hosting this one with me today. Um, shut up, Mags. So I took last week off because uh, we were on the big boat. We were on the Impractical Joker cruise. Uh, and when I got back, my sinuses sealed up on me and my head turned into a rock. So I'm coming at you this week with a recap of the boat, recap of the great trip that we had. And I thought... Why the hell do it alone? Why don't I invite my good pal, stand-up comedian, J.F. Harris, to join me on the podcast? And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to the one and only J.F. Harris. What's up, brother? Hello, buddy. Hello, Hello. Mike Benoya and fans. Isn't this nice? Thanks to the uh, wonders of modern technology, it's like we're uh, sitting right across from each other. I know, but meanwhile, we're separated by a whole country. We're just... 
miles away. But we're underneath that same big sun, JF. That's all that matters. How are you? I'm good, dude. I can't complain. It's uh, early morning here in Los Angeles, and uh, I'm having a nice kind of slow starting day. That's awesome, dude. Well, you and I both are um, extended members of the Impractical Joker family for for quite some time, and... I figured uh, let's let everybody know your you know relationship with them and how it all got started before we get into our great boat trip. Sure. Uh, yeah, I've been touring, opening for the guys now for uh, I want maybe five or six years. I was the second person they brought in to start opening some of the shows. Um, before me, it was uh, it was just Jiggy and. Um, and then uh, I, so I know the guys because I started doing stand up in New York City, and I started a bar show in the back of a bar on Staten Island, where I'm from, which is also where the guys are from. And Sal was the bartender of that bar, and I knew Sal from like hanging out of that bar because Staten Island's a pretty small community, like a small arts community. Yep. And so I, um, we knew each other. I knew he liked comedy and did comedy. With, uh, so he wanted to start like a rotating comedy night there. And I ended up taking two, like a bi-weekly show, like every, uh, twice a month I would do a show there and, uh, ran it there for like two and a half years. And that's, uh, that's how like Sal got introduced to most of the standups that end up coming on the cruise and the cruises over the years were like people who came and did our bar show. And it was everybody before anybody had like any kind of like everyone was funny and I knew these people were funny and that's why I booked them. And then everyone went off to have like giant careers, you know, like Dan Soder and Che and yeah. Mark Norman and Sean Patton. And like, just like if you looked at some of those early lineups, you would be like, how the hell did they get Kamel Nanjiani to do this little bar on Staten Island? But <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, and, and what's funny is that a lot of people don't realize that in the world of stand up, um, both in New York and LA and a lot of the big cities, there is a second scene that doesn't take place in the comedy clubs. It's in bars and it's in alt yeah. rooms and it's in cupcake shops in Brooklyn and bookstores after hours and, and bars. And we all kind of take initiative to run and produce our own shows and give each other and give our friends the ability to have permission to fail, but also bring it when the opportunity calls for it. And uh, yeah, it's really neat. Like that's I think I met you through uh, a good portion of that scene. And uh, Staten Island, yeah, and Staten Island is just a twenty-minute boat ride away from uh, the the bottom of Manhattan. So it was was it hard to get people to come to those shows? No, because the people on Staten Island, like there was a cool when I was still living there there was like a really cool art scene happening at the time that like for a while felt like, Oh, this could really blow up and become like the next like Brooklyn kind of thing. Yep. But it never really kind of came to fruition, but there was like a two or three year period there where there was like a ton of amazing bands that like, honestly, I'm just, it blows my mind that nobody started. If somebody would have started a record label with a, like a PR person, I honestly think it would have became like, a, a, a big art scene but it kind of never happened but there were like cool gallery happenings and like so i would throw this bi-weekly show and i would get 
like between 40 and 60 people every week at the show without having to try. They just knew that like the comics were going to be good. And I would do a different new eight to 10 minutes at the top of every show every two weeks. Which is huge for you because that gives you the chance to, you know, really spread your wings. Yeah, it was when I was starting in stand up, like I say all the time to anybody who's like thinking about starting stand up or is in the very beginning stages of stand up, it's like start a show. Mm-hmm. Start a show in a bar. Don't do bringer shows where your friends have to pay a bunch of money to go to a club uh, and watch a bunch of other shitty comedians. Like start a good, start your own show. Book your friends who you're gr- starting out with, your peers who you're grinding out out with, who you think are funny. Don't book people who you think are going to put you on other shows. Just book who you think is good from your peer group, and then book the comics who you want to be like and who you admire and you want to learn from. Yep. on your show that when the audience comes, they're going to get a good show and you book like one level above you. And then you try to always get one or two like big reaches where you're like excited to have, and it makes for a great show. So I would do that every other week in Staten Island and ran that show with Sal and Sal took such good care of the comedians that like all the comics drank for free. Everybody got a free meal and everyone would come do it because it felt like a little adventure. Everyone would take the ferry over together from the city. Yeah. We'd, wa- we'd walk over to the bar. It was out on this back patio. It felt like kind of a road gig for like a lot of comics in New York City. And it was like a lot of the, those comics like kind of early. Like I would give everyone a little bit more time than you would get in the city. Like everyone would do like 15-minute sets. And then like the bigger name at the time would, would be like the one person with like a credit, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, of course they and, did and like they would, John and, Oliver and they, or something like that. Yeah. And they would do like 30. Yeah. It was a very similar format to that John Oliver stand up show. Yeah. You know, it's, and, I, it's, and, and it pushed me a ton because like I would just be at open mics in New York city every day, just like trying to grind out new material by the end of the week to have like new, a new or in two weeks, just trying to write eight to 10 new minutes. That's really awesome. It's kind of funny because like I grew, you know, starting in New Haven and you've come to the club that I started at Joker's wild. I think that's where you and I initially met. met. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and it's funny because I always thought of New Haven similar to the way that you're talking about Staten Island, where it was like, this is just a train ride away from, for some of my favorite comics. Like how can I figure out how, before I moved to New York, you know, like how to get, some, you know, a, a little bit of like a bridge between Manhattan and Southern Connecticut. And I had a couple of shows where I had like Soder, Normand, Matt Ruby, Sam Morell, um, you know, List, a couple other guys that would come and do yeah. and do shows. And it was fun while it lasted for sure. You know, I mean, I was happy that to move down and not have to, you know, really do those things much anymore. It's I ended up running that show at the stand, which was a blast. But um yeah, I get it. I mean, and it's important that. to do. Um, so that's how you got to know Sal. And at this point, were they the tenderloins? Were they mission uncomfortable? Were, what was it? They were the they were the tenderloins. So, also, I knew Joe since I was a little kid. Joe and my sister were really good friends growing up. So when I was a kid, Joe used to hang out at my house. Like when I was in like elementary school, junior high. No kidding. Um, yeah, or maybe it was just junior high. It was probably just junior high because Joe used to date my sister's best friend. 
So Joe used to hang out at my house a bunch as a kid. Wow, that's awesome. Because my parent, my house was like the hangout. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So, so he would like be over and in my pool and like, you know, like hanging out on my front stoop. And he was just like this funny guy that was one of my sister's older friends. Was he a goofball then too? A hundred percent. The person he is now is the exact person he was then. Oh, that's awesome. Like, he was that same like, like funny, like confident, sweet, like weird guy. Yeah, yeah. That's that's you nailed it. I think that's pretty much his profile right there. You know, confident yeah. and sweet yeah. and funny. Um, yeah, I and, and, but like have, he has that like, and by weird, I just mean like he has that left turn sense of humor. Absolutely. You know what I mean? like, yeah. He just knows how to. He heightens things in a way that I would never expect. Yeah, his timing is just so impeccable when it comes to ball breaking, and he's got like a. My, one of my uncles was really good at this, where like he could sneak in a, a jab to to someone who was listening before, you know, the other person even like arrived at the conversation, and then you both had yes. something to kind of laugh at while that. Per- but it was all in, you know, it was never anything. Um, you know, uh, vindictive or anything like that. It was just a fun, ball breaky, loving goof, and that—that's uh, yeah. the yeah, part that I love so much about the four of them. You know? Yeah, and that's that's how someone told me this early. A guy I was hanging out with at a party once with a guy who I didn't really know super well at the time, and now I've become good friends with. But he said something to me is like, "Yeah, you can only really bust someone's balls if you trust them and like them." Yeah, exactly. And it's like a sign of re- like if someone busts your balls, it's a sign of respect. Like they they don't think you're going to take it the wrong way. And I kind of feel like a lot of that is lost these days. Um, and that's what I love about the Jokers going into an eighth season and another live tour is that I almost kind of feel like they're keeping playful ball breaking alive in this world of like. Don't, you know, uh, don't, don't hurt anyone ever. And it's, they're never going at the people on the show or in the crowd. They're more just making it, watch us make fun of ourselves and each other. And each other. Yeah. yeah. Which, is, which is what fun is. That's you know? Exactly. <laughs> we're like, just... I, honestly, I, I know we're going to get into like the cruise in a minute, but like I, one of the highlights for the cruise for me is I didn't know Bobby Kelly at all. And, like, I'd never met Bobby, but I always knew who he was in New York, and I was always a big, like, fan of Bobby's work. Yeah. But to get to hang out with Bobby on the cruise and watch Bobby live was one of the highlights because, like, within the first five minutes of meeting Bobby, I was just giving him shit. Yeah, yeah, of course. And it, like, because I knew he was a guy that, like, I could do that to. Yeah. Like, I met him, and within, like, I think within the first sentence or two, I made fun of him. And he was just like, oh, we're going to sell like that. And then it was just like, all right, me and this guy are going to be friends. And then like, you know, I, sometimes you hang out with people on like a cruise or something like that or do a road gig with them and you figure you never hear from them again. And then the other day I get a message in my Instagram inbox uh, and he's like, dude, this is my number. Call me right now. And I'm like, oh, I sent him something about Cleveland. He's in Cleveland. Maybe he's uh, – I sent him like a food recommendation. Maybe he's trying to figure out where this place is. And I call him and then he just starts shitting on me about the photo I posted of my girlfriend for on Valentine's Day on my Instagram saying that she's way too hot for me. <laughs> That's Bobby. And, I, and it was great. Yeah. And, and it was he was so funny and he had me in stitches. And it's like, yeah. That's and what it's it all just, about. Yeah. That's I know. what it's all about. That's like being a comedian. It's like you get to be on the inside of the circle of like 
you know, friends and you can, it's, my girlfriend is so fucking hot. Like, I'm so lucky to have her, you know what I mean? <laughs> and he just was just like, like, he was like, this can't be your girlfriend. That's- you had to find this photo online. Yeah, who's this fucking chick, dude? Yeah. Um, it, it is amazing to think about. And I remember one time at uh, Skank Fest, at Legion of Skanks Comedy Festival, I, Okerson turned to me at one point and he goes, just in an honest conversation, he's like, we really are friends with the funniest people in the world. And it was just like a very weird like realization that like we take it for granted, but like, yeah, we really are. And being on the boat and being, you know, working the clubs that we do and being just around the people – that we are around, it's almost like working out 20, you know, working out constantly. And then you get around normal people with a normal sense of humor and you're like, Oh man, like I, I can run circles around this dummy, you know? And it's just so, I feel so <laughs> or, that, that, or sometimes, or sometimes for me, it can make me really uncomfortable when people try to be funny at me. Yeah. They know I'm a comedian. Cause you got to like, hold back. I yeah. I don't try to be funny ever. Like, I make jokes, but I'm never trying. And that's, like, a big difference. Like, if you just – I don't know. Like, I was in Florida this week. I got off the cruise. My parents picked me up in Florida, and I went and hung out with my folks for four days. Oh, that's cool. Which was, yeah, it was great. I, I, you know, my parents are getting in their 60s. I try to play Florida as much as I can, and anytime I play Florida, I try to go visit them. Yeah. And I try to get to New York as often as possible to see them because they're snowbirds. They split yep. between New York and Florida. So I, like, spent four days with them, and their Wednesday night is their pool party, and it's, like, all the old people, like, go around the pool and everyone <laughs> potlucks. And then, like, a couple people just started talking at me, and they all know I'm a comedian. I was there, like, ten minutes, and I was like, ah, I got to go answer some work emails. Yeah, and just hide. I'm with you, dude. I, I, I remember before doing stand-up, I was the first one at the party, the last one to leave. I was pre-gaming. I was, you know, always breaking balls and having a good time. Now doing it professionally, it's like if I'm off stage, dude, I want to be in like quiet, either like reading or listening to music or hiking or I, I, I can't I, – I, unless, unless, unless it's the people that I'm like super comfortable with, which now seems to just be mainly comics <laughs> and none of yeah, us are – we're not you know, on all the time. Yeah, I – yeah, I'm not on, on all the time. And I also think it's partially probably because what we do is like very vulnerable. Yeah. Like you're really putting – I like I talk about my most personal insecurities on stage and like my – like the things like all of my life. So it's like for me sometimes it's like, all right, I just gave you all of me, told you everything about me. Now I just got to go like be in a hotel room and relax. Yeah, and listen to music or something. Totally. So, I will say one of the great things about the Joker's Cruise is their fans are so sweet. They just kind of like they don't try to like co like co-opt you. Does that mean you know what I'm saying? Like they like give you love. They give you praise. They tell you that they like care about you. They love you. They're so supportive. But then they also like don't try to hijack you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Totally. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a beautiful balance. Like they. they their fans are so supportive, but they're also so crazy respectful Yeah, that it makes me even twice as grateful to have them as like some of them have become my real fans. No, it, it's they have. And I think that that's something that, you know, I definitely wanted to talk with you about uh, is that, you know, I it, it's no secret that I'm a complete lunatic for the band Fish and I've Who, you me. Yeah, I know. The guy who only wore three. 
Fish shirts on the cruise? Well, a couple Grateful Dead shirts, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mainly only fish shirts. Yeah, my, fa- my favorite was when we were on the cruise and you were wearing a Grateful Dead hoodie and then took it off to go on stage and underneath it was a Grateful Dead t-shirt. <laughs> hey man, I'm on brand. No one can ever say I'm uh, faking it. Um, but you know, I, I'm somebody that has driven across country, slept in traffic on the highway, um, camped out in the Everglades and, you know, you know, lived basically breadline or less to go see concerts and to get a glimpse of the guys and to, you know, experience something that I would, you know, uh, regret forever missing and being on the other side of it. And being a part of the Joker's world and seeing, you know, night after night on tour or on the boat or when we do anything, you know, the, the art exhibit in St- on Staten Island. I mean, I get it. And I and I so appreciate the way that the Impractical Jokers has created a uh, a scene and a world for of happiness for these fans. And, and it's, oh, yeah. it's just such an unbelievable um, experience to kind of be, you know, we have the artist passes and we'll get into the boat, you know, in a sec, but just to look out over the, the upstairs stage that last night, that deck pool deck stage and see everybody, the entire boat was upstairs on the balcony singing along and having a good time. 2,500 people uh, like doing karaoke together. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. it's the funnest. Like that's honestly the hang, the, uh, the shows and the, like the karaoke are the, for me, the three highlights of the cruise. Yeah. Well, let's get into the cruise and then we'll, we'll go back and okay. talk a little bit about yeah. tour. So, yeah. um, a lot of people, somebody sent me a, a message. Uh, I got a question from a amigos listener that said, you know, do you guys get, free time or are you, you know, constantly just swarmed by the fans? Um, which I thought was a pretty good question because a lot of people don't really get it, you know? So I thought maybe we could like kind of paint the picture of like what the cruise is like. Um, you do get free time. I try not to have much free time on the boat. Like I'm trying to always, you know, do things like you and I uh, both. Yeah. Like I'm trying to do as many spots as I can. Uh, I'm trying to do, we did a bunch of podcasts on the boat, you know, I did like Verzi's podcast. I would mean, you did that Sirius XM episode together. Yeah. Bonfire. Uh, I taught an improv class and then did an improv show with, uh, Casey Jost and James from Impractical Jokers and Phoebe and Joe from Impractical Jokers and Bruglia. Yep. Uh, um, and just, it's, you know, so I, you, you've, if you're on the boat performing, you can really fill your time. Right. But also like, like I was saying, the fans are so respectful. Like if you go eat in the main dining area where everyone's eating, people will say hello to you while you're getting your food, walking to your table. And then when you're done, people might ask you for a picture when you're getting up to leave. But, or if they you're eating, people will walk by and be like, you were so great. The show was so funny. I saw you in, Seattle, I saw you in uh, Portland, I saw you in, you know, like, right, right. they'll be like, you, you know, that kind of stuff. And, but I never feel like, oh no, I gotta get out of here, you know? Right, like, no, it's true. And it's, and it's, you know, I think that any, any entity, whether it's the Mets, whether it's Fish, whether it's 
Nickelback, the Impractical Jokers, there's always going to be that 90-10 rule where like 90% of the audience is fantastic and 10% can bring it a little bit too much sometimes. And it's not, you know, I noticed on the cruise this year in particular was I in my I've been on two of the three cruises and I thought this one was the best. Um, oh, I've been on, I've been on all three, and this one was my favorite. Yeah, I just thought that it yeah. was. Th- there seemed to be a great collective vibe throughout the whole thing of like we're all going to be here having a good time together for the next four days. Like let's you know you do yeah. you do you we'll do us and together we'll have a great time and that was really refreshing. Yeah, it was so fun, and they also like because it's the third one they've kind of worked out all the kinks. So like. All the shows were packed. The first year, there was a bunch of shows going on at once. And now there's kind of just like, for comedy, there's kind of like one comedy show happening at all times. And right. then the guy show happening. And then maybe there's a podcast happening. But if you want to watch stand-up, there's just one stand-up show happening at all times instead of like four people doing hour-long sets, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I thought that that was much better this year because, you know, I think last year we had uh, Burt Kreischer and Ari Shafir were pretty much headliners. And then there yeah. were showcase shows throughout. But this was nice because every show was just jam-packed with fantastic comedy. And like you said, it was uh, – you, you the, the, the lineup this year was just insane. Out of this as world. As, yeah. As far as comedy goes, if you went – like it was like going to like an amazing night at the cellar. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, what's great too is that, and just to take even like a step back about the boat, you know, for those listeners who haven't been on a cruise, which prior to the Jokers, I never was. And I think aside from the Jokers, I don't want to go on one. Um, But it's, it's, you know, if you like to gamble, there's a casino on the boat. If you like to smoke cigars, there's a cigar shop on the boat. If you like rock, climbing rock walls, there's a rock wall to climb on the boat. If you like just getting fucking hammered, yeah. you can go get pina coladas at nine in the morning. So it's really – there's yeah. something and for everyone. I mean, me, Big J, and Nate Pergazzi spent like a whole afternoon just playing horse, you know, like shooting basketball. Yeah, on exactly. The on the top. So there's it's just super- always something to do for everyone that's there and then that's just the boat. Like if you – when you get on the boat, they have an itinerary made where like, OK, there's going to be I, – I, I hosted bingo one morning with Jessica Kirsten. There's going to be – Oh my god. Um, that must have been a blast. It was hilariously stupid. Deal or no deal um, is on the boat. If you want to go see an Elvis impersonator, the best Elvis impersonator is on the boat. He's the official Elvis estate impersonator. He's like the one – Don, like deemed by the family. Yeah, it's wild. Like this is the guy. And and you're sitting Sean at the you're sitting, you're sitting at the buffet, and there's you know young Elvis, you know sitting with you eating, and it's just like oh, this is really reminiscent to me of like a, a music festival where you can go yeah, to the. It's a, it, it, that's what it is. It's a great music and comedy festival, but instead of being in a crappy field in the middle of nowhere, you're basically on like. You're you're on a floating hotel. Exactly. That has like all the amenities that you would want. Now when you're not doing shows on the boat, what, what do you like to do? Like what do you like to check out? What 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 uh, you mean like, like when, when you're not like in your off time, let's say. 
when I'm not doing the shows on the boat or in general? On like, the boat. On, uh, on, on dry land. Oh, on the... No, I don't care about what... I know what you want. I know what you like doing. You like going to bookstores and drinking decaf coffee. I'm talking about... Uh, I was drinking regular coffee today, buddy. I'm <laughs> well, you're an animal. Up I'm going to call your parents. Uh, no, on, on, <laughs> on the boat, I... Uh, I, you know, I, you know what, I, I worked out every day on the boat. I hit that gym. Uh, I meditated every day on the boat. I got two massages on the boat. I went crazy. Uh, yeah, I, we both opted for the hot stone this year, which was oh great. Oh my God. I, I, there was this little Thai lady gave me the best massage of my life. Yeah. So uh, basically like for, you know, I try to like to set the picture. It's like from like the sixth floor of the boat or seventh floor, or whatever up. We occupy, and there's like uh, fun on every level. There's fun on every level. There's there was an arcade yeah. that was really kick yeah. ass. Yeah, uh, there's the pools. There's the hot tubs, which I didn't even go in this year. No, nah, they're I, I get a little this, bit skeezed out by we those. Had, like the best weather of all the years. There's the gym. There's a sauna in the gym, so I sat in the sauna for a little while and had a steam. Yep. Um, and also because it's my third year on the boat, I kind of know where everything is. So, like for me, I wouldn't. I would just like roll out of bed, meditate for twenty minutes, and then just go upstairs to get breakfast or to the artist lounge to get breakfast because I knew somebody would be there. Yeah. And you go, you get breakfast, you sit down, and that's the other thing too, that's so amazing about a lot of these impractical jokers fans. A bunch of them all know each other. Like from going to multiple shows, so they've just kind of made friends. Yeah. Or people made friends from like the cruise the year before. They make friends on this cruise. Like these are the people I went and gotten waited in line with getting on the boat, and they'll like eat and hang out. So like these little pockets of friendships built. Yeah, dude. And so it's, it's so with, it's, I ended up spending a lot of time with James uh, McCarthy from the show. One of the uh, He's like the top producer on the show. Yeah, the supervising and, uh, comedy producer. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and Phoebe um, Bottom, who's like been on the show like once or twice, uh, who's like a New York City improviser who was on the boat too, and all of it. Like, I just ended up hanging out with them and getting to know them in a way that I didn't, and it was just like super fun. And then it's like now I consider them friends. You yeah. Know what I mean? like, yeah. Last like, year, I friends with them on the boat. I, I, uh, Jessica Kearson, who I just met at the comedy store, like maybe three or four days before we left on the boat, Eleanor Kerrigan, who like, I know from the store, but I didn't know her super well. Like, you know, you see somebody at the store, you say hello, but you actually get to spend time and eat a meal with comics or people who you might not necessarily hang out with and like make nice friends. Yeah. So like, that was kind of the highlight for me was like, a lot of that, like in between hang time, like you go to get a meal, you sit down with a bunch of people and there's like 10 comedians sitting around in a circle eating a nice meal. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because the first year, um, so the second Joker cruise was my first one and I sat with Cypher sounds and I've, I've known, I've known him from when I started doing stand up till now, but I never knew his story and I never knew his past. And we sat down and talked about, his beginnings in music and his, you know, uh, early childhood kind of like struggles to get a turntable and his go get him kind of attitude and all that. And it was like, I really felt like I was like living a documentary sitting and listening to this guy who I'm super like blown away by his talent, not only as a comic, but also 
as a uh, DJ. So now, I mean, sex, now sex we're like super best. good friends, you know, and it's and it's all from the boat. So yeah, and I, I mean, you and I have been friends forever, and I never see you because we're on other sides yeah, of the we world. Are. We both have this opening job for the Jokers, but we really never get a chance to hang. So it's always nice when yeah, uh, and I. And I haven't been coming to New York as much as I should, and I'm trying to. I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna start coming every couple months again. Uh, but yeah, it's just wild. Like yeah, well, we're very lucky, and I and I want to, you know, like the, the show we do every year. The guys have us on the ship, and it's me, you, Jiggy, and Chris Johnston who open up for the guys regularly on the road. And yeah, we all rotate. Right. And we have this kind of opener showcase that the guys throw and, um, Joe hosts hosts it. And I'm very grateful to them to, uh, you know, for that. And I think it's, you know, a way for, I like to, like you said, these are people who have seen us on the road. So it's kind of, you know, we've been in our respective clubs, you know, writing, chipping away, working out a new act. And, um, I like to mix it up when I go on the road. If I'm going back to a place that I opened for them last year, I obviously don't want to do the same set. I want to have new stuff for those, you know, fans, 100%. but these people that are Joker fans that are tenderloin live show goers are, I mean, undoubtedly some of the most warm accepting fans and, and we're doing, I mean, prior to working with the Jokers, I wasn't doing four or five thousand seat, eight thousand seat like theaters and arenas. So to go and do those, I've been to live stand up shows to see, you know, huge comics and their openers are essentially out there. They might as well be reading the phone book, you know, like no one's paying attention. I feel like we have an opportunity and a blessing, really, that these fans give us their undivided attention. They love our sets. They pay attention to our sets. I have comics come up. I mean, I have fans come up afterwards that are, that after the Joker's hour show, hour and a half show, they remember some of my jokes and, you know, break balls with me about them. We are so unbelievably blessed to have these fans in in our, in our world. I mean, I, I pick up like 200 Instagram followers or more every time I open for the guys in one of these arena shows. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's nuts. And, and, and also, like my sh- my show in the theater this year for the sh- opener showcase was like I, sometimes it, you know figuring out what you're going to do as a comic, like which set should I do? I'm doing four shows or five shows on the four or five shows on the boat. People are going to see me multiple times. I want them to like get a different show every time, and it's like how am I going to plan this out? Sometimes trying to figure out the math of all that can be difficult when you you know absolutely you're doing like. 15 minute sets and you got to figure out how you're going to distribute uh an hour and 10 minutes of material in a way that you don't repeat too much maybe one or two things but some you keep some things because you want them structurally so the set makes sense so there's a through line and i picked my set for the jokers jokers opener showcase because on the first night at the boat um a woman came up to me and she was like I say this joke of yours all the time. I say this line to my family. I say to my kids. I say to people at work. She was like, if you can, can you please do that joke? I, it's my favorite joke. And I built my whole set for the opener showcase around that joke. Wow. I was just like, 
all right, this lady wants to hear this joke, so I should do all of the stuff about my dad and the stuff about, you know, my disabilities, kind of like, and just kind of picked that set for the night around that. And then that kind of was like, okay, well, if I'm using all of that stuff and I use these other jokes on the first night, then this is, this is my sets that I have left for the last two nights based off of the material from those. Yeah, know? yeah. It's funny that you say that because I – you know, I, I make a joke about uh, – I used to make a joke about redheads and how there's no in-between. They're either smoking hot or a rotten pumpkin. It's either <laughs> it's either uh, Little Mermaid or Chucky doll. And I, I – you know, it's – my wife's a redhead, so I, you know, obviously was referring to her in the joke. And fans would see me on the boat with her and go, oh, is this Ariel? Is this the – is this the, you know – rotten pumpkin or whatever and i'm like oh okay so i'm not doing that joke this so it's very interesting the way that like you know i ended up doing it because we had how many sets you know like you said times the material but um i definitely know what you're saying where it's like i want to pick the set that um you know you want to distribute the hot points throughout the four sets of the trip you don't want to just kind of you know shoot all your you know fireworks off at once so it's pretty neat though that we're able to, you know, there, there's, there's, so on the, on the boat, there is a lounge called Spinnaker that seats, what would you say, maybe like 250, 300? Uh, I think it's a little bit more than that. Uh, yeah, probably about 300 people. And then there's the Stardust Theater that seats about 900 to 1,000. Yeah. When you go on tour with them, um, when you started out touring, um, what size were the, were, were the rooms full or what, were, did you kind of remember them being kind of like half empty? No, when they started, when I started with them, they were like doing theaters and it was like, um, it was like between, they would be between like half, like three quarters full to full, yeah. maybe even half, half full some nights. Wow. And then it, and then it got to the point where it was, um, like they do a first show and then they'd add a late show and there'd be like halfway full at a late show. And then it got to the point where we were doing like two sold out shows in like bigger theaters, you know, like, so it's nice. I've been like, watched them. Like I watched it explode over the course of like four or five years to go from like, you know, I started touring with them on their first bus tour. Okay. So, so it was, you know, I got to, be there like and see it go from like this little like you know small operation to like now doing you know bringing in giant crews because they have to set up giant light situations and you know confetti cannons and yeah. you know the whole night like a video wall and it's been real cool to see happen yeah really it is it's it's it, you know and now it's i think it's about four years for me that yeah. I've been opening for them. And, uh, it's funny. We were talking about it, um, recently about, you know, having like family at shows and stuff. And the first time I opened for them was in my home state in Connecticut. And it was a theater that I used to go to concerts at. So it was very exciting to be back on stage looking out at the place in the audience that I lost my mind, you know, 10, 12, 15 years earlier. But I remember walking out and the first head I saw in the audience about five rows back was my dad. 
And it was just oh. like, you know, 5,000 people. First time performing in front of a crowd that big. And the first dumb head I see is my dad that I don't want. <laughs> the, the one I wouldn't want to see. Dude, the everybody. Last one you'd want to see. Yeah, and everybody else might as well have just left. It was like the only, you know, which added a lot of, uh, you know, anxiety. But, um, yeah, dude, I'll tell you, it just right away, like right away, you know, it, it just felt like home. There's something about being a part of this, you know, Joker family that uh, it just br- it, br- it brings a certain so their good. family, but it also brings like a confidence to, sh- you know, like when we're doing shows without them, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's a flight hours and it's flight hours in like crazy situations. Like, you know, I think the biggest crowd I've ever done with them is maybe 16,000 people. Yep. Like, that's a lot of people. Yeah, like, dude, it's crazy. In front of it's, you know, it's also funny, though, because sometimes I tell people it's easier to do comedy for 16,000 people than it is for like 16 people. Oh, dude, totally. Yeah, I mean, I but, couldn't couldn't agree more, you know, but there but have been times. It's also, that is one of the funny things about comedy, too, where it's like, it's like, their fans are so great. I'm so grateful for them. The experience is always awesome. But it is also that thing of like, it's a great to get to experience this. But at the end of the day, I also remember that like, I'm not famous. You right. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I got to go back and I got to like, stay humble and grind it out. Like, I get to do these shows and it's a privilege and it's fun but i also haven't accomplished i haven't like accomplished anything like they're not my audience you no know what I mean? of course like, I didn't right earn, but some people get that twisted you know what i mean like i've seen people open for like big famous comics and then they think that they're famous yeah, oh, like, yeah totally no totally. dude no <laughs> no dude you, you, you still you got you got to earn that shit well and like years of hard work and you and i are in a in in you know a position in comedy where you know there's and i i love it i feel like it's a place of versatility where you know we go up and we successfully host a show we have uh, elder statesmen like, um, you know, you go out with Whitney Cummings and Joel McHale and I go out with like, you know, Dave Attell and Okerson and sometimes Ari and whatever. And, and then we're out headlining rooms. So, you know, we're at, yeah. a, we're at an interesting point where we're kind of doing all of the – we're like utility infielders at this point. And I, I, I'm willing to do any of the jobs that I can get to get on stage – and I, you know, I take, I take the, I do the, you know, sh- shows around LA where I get five minutes and don't make any money. And then I get the shows where I open for the guys for a night and do 12 minutes and pay my rent. And then I do the shows where I get the headline and do an hour and it pays okay, but I'm just ha- feel lucky to get to do an hour and be the show for the night. Right. Exactly. And I think that's, what's important is that, you know, we're, we're getting a little taste of what is to come if we keep working as hard as you know we are as, yeah and, and also it's a great thing of seeing how hard you have to work to like operate at that level yeah like to, to tour with the jokers or like Whitney Cummings you see how hard these people work on on this and how hard a job it is well it is straight like, up show business at that level and that's where it's yes. like holy shit like this does this is an entire operation of there are multiple those, people behind those, the curtain making this happen. Yeah, those people and those shows are industries. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep, it really is wild. Do you have any yeah, I, um do, do you do you remember any um 
like what your favorite or least favorite time opening for the Jokers was? I can tell you my least favorite immediately. Yeah, me too. Uh, Go for it. We we did a, a theater, an outdoor amphitheater in Atlanta uh, years ago. Um, and like outdoor comedy just sucks. And it was hot and like Atlanta summer hot. Yeah, hot Atlanta's the, the worst. And it was daytime. Like the show was like in the afternoon and people were like late getting to the venue, but I still had to go out. And it was just like, there were good people in the audience, but like, it was just like one of those where it's like, this is just raw, you know, even the the guys were all like drenched in sweat during the show. They were trying to get fans. It was like one of those things where we were doing an outdoor show in Atlanta in the, with the sun still up. It was like a weird outdoor arena and it was like 102 degrees out and everybody there was miserable. Now that sounds like a blast. Um, and, and I think I think it was like one of the last one of those kinds of shows the guys did. Yeah, we like they were just like they were just like yeah we can't do this this isn't good for the fans this isn't good for you know yeah they kind of they were like and like I know they still do some outdoor gigs but I think they're just kind of like places they strategically plan places that are like a little bit better for it yeah and there were also outdoor gigs there's like the Cincinnati Zoo has one that's uh-huh. like one of my that was actually one of my all-time favorites because you get me and q got to go backstage at the zoo and like feed polar bears and stuff oh like that's that. wild yeah and but, you know how much of an animal guy he is yeah so like totally. we go around and we pet goats and like we've done it twice and it's like the coolest that's awesome um, yeah and then um i mean the milwaukee arena show on this last run and St. Louis were pretty great. Anytime I've ever played Port Portland and Seattle are two of my big all time favorite cities to play with them. I've gotten to play I've gotten to like do Portland I think every time they've done Portland. And to watch that grow from like one show to two shows to the giant arena. You know, that yeah. stuff's fun to be like and know that some of those people are seeing me for like the third and fourth time. It's like really nice. Yeah, it's absolutely I mean, I'm doing, you know, this tour coming up, we're going to be, you know, like Bridgestone Arena in Nashville and, you know. I love, I love Nashville. It's such a great place. My least favorite show opening for them was the Coney Island Amphitheater. Um, oh, yeah. I remember you doing that. Yeah. Was like, it was an- and it was, they were like, it was the first show they ever did there. It was the first. So Ziggy Marley did a cold open like a week before and. It was so uh, technically, I guess I was the first ever artist <laughs> on the stage at a, you know, not a cold open. So like we officially opened the venue and the place wasn't ready to open. <laughs> like It was a mess when the bat we were backstage and it smelled like new, new condo construction. You know, there was like uh, stone yeah. dust and sawdust and piles of, you know, like t- like wood and tile everywhere. And it was torrentially downpouring, and the road that gets you to the Coney Island Amphitheater was flooded, and the parking lot was flooded. So getting there was a complete disaster. Everyone was showing up late, and the right where the the awning above the stage, where it met the roof of the uh, to cover the seats, there was like a little gap. So there was a steady stream of rain flowing 
right in front of me onto all of the electronics that were like on the floor, oh like all the God. all the cables and everything. And I'm watching this and I'm like, well, I'm totally oh going to get God. zapped if I touch anything, yeah. you know? And I went out there and it was one of those moments where like no one, no one was there. No one was paying attention. The people that were there were like ordering beers or like wringing out their soaking wet coats. It was just brutal. Yeah. It was absolutely awful. And I just looked at the ceiling and just ran through my time. And that was like the only time that I ever really felt like I had to do that with them. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah, that's happened to me like once or twice where you're just like, oh, they they don't care that I'm here. They're right. specifically here for the guys. That was like, brutal. Right, I, I, yeah, but it's also like you learn how to do that. That's part of the job of being the opener and the host is like it gives you the confidence to go like, all right, fuck it. I'm yeah. just going to pound through this and do this for the six people that are paying attention who are going to like me. And I'm going to go lean in super hard and do jokes that I know that those six people will like, and then those six people will become fans of me for life. Exactly. And I'm doing the yeah. show for them. Exactly. And it's also one of those things of, you know, like we talked earlier about having like a little bit of egolessness and humility is just like, yeah, know your role. Like I've, I've people yeah. have asked me about it a bunch with opening for the guys. Like, do you go out there and, you know, uh, stay clean or do you go heavy with whatever? I personally feel, and I'd love your take on it that, you know, my job with them is to get the crowd fired up and loose and ready to go for the tenderloins. And it's not a Mike yeah. Fenoya show. I'm not going to go up there and, nope. you know, uh, you know, get heavy into polarizing topics or nope. things that might, you know, you look out into the crowd. And I think it's something that I realized at the very, very early on when I started stand up, my little sister and I went to go see Brian Regan at Southern Connecticut State University. And oh, cool. we, we sat behind, now I was maybe like two months into comedy and I, and we were sitting behind a family that was like literally grandmother all the way to grandchild and everyone in between, you know, multiple grandchildren, parents, uncles, it was like a family outing to Brian Regan. And I remember watching them thoroughly enjoy the show together and you know, then ever since then, I would, when I do shows, I kind of look out at the crowd and, you know, try to take inventory before shows just to, and I remember that moment of like, you know, obviously you're never going to, you know, if you set out to please everyone, you're, you're never going to make it. But if you're, yeah, you're if you're, in the water. but if you're opening for a family show, then why do I need to go out there and make it uncomfortable purposely? For anybody, Agreed. you know, they Agreed. go out, they swear, but that's fine. That's their show. When I headline, yeah. I'm going to talk about the fact that, you know, whatever, I hate Trump or the fact that, you know, I think that mushrooms should be legal or that I had, you know, family issues growing up. But when I'm opening for those guys, like my, jo like the job is to warm them up, get them laughing, get them loose and, and you know, get them ready for a good time with, for the guys that they want to see. Nobody's sitting through a Joker's show to see Mike Fenoya open. You know what I mean? No, no one. Yeah, no. Yeah. And that's how I feel too. It's like, um, I've gone back and forth on like, like, or not back and forth, but like when I started, I, I like, I don't what's the best way to put this? Like now I very much look at it as like, 
I have a set that I gear towards that the, their audience. Right. And it, it, cha- it changes from time to time, like if I'm going back to the same city or whatever. But I kind of almost view it almost like a late night set. Like you want to get them to the line of what would be like of risky and then don't push them over the edge. You right. know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I like to try to find where it's like what's like the most clever and f- funny way I can do my version of my act without being as maybe and I'm not a particularly dirty guy but I swear and I do some <laughs> sex stuff and I do this or that and I try to think about like what's the TV version of my act and let's give them that that and then at the end of my act I tell them like hey I'm going to try to come back to here in a in the next year to do an hour and it'll be a much more adult show when your kids aren't here you can come to that yeah there are kids there's kids there too there are kids there yeah and that's you know but i I do i do talk about being sober i do talk about drugs a little bit but like i don't like or i do talk about like sex stuff but i don't get i'm not graphic you know what i mean yeah yeah i i pretty much i i mean i i might say shit I might, you know. Yes. I, I don't. A hundred percent. I don't. I might I, even. I might even. Uh, I, in the past, I know I've used the f word a couple of times, but I try not to use it a ton because even the guys are like super conscious about using it in their own act. Like they have like a count where they try not to say it more than like once or twice in a show. You know. Yeah, and, they, and they've gotten much better at that. And I was actually almost when I first started with them was before I started writing for the show, and I remember stressing out about. Like, boy, I really want to go out there and do just clean. Like, I really made kind of like a G-rated version of my set. And then I heard them. Oh, okay, cool. Like, they they are literally, uh, you know, the same guys on screen and off. So it's totally fun, you know. And that's what's. And I I think that's part of the job to set up the show is like, you want to like tease out that like, you might hear some some of this or some of that but you don't I also as the opener you're not trying to steal any of that top excitement right yep like part exactly of your, you know that's part of the job of setting up is like you're the entree to what they might see yep it's so it's so great have you seen um people from the jokers world fans of them you I've know had them like a comedy club I've had a, yeah a hundred percent i you know this weekend, I, I headlined uh, Dead Crow in North Carolina, uh-huh. uh, and a woman came up to me afterwards and was like, hey, I saw you with the Jokers. I wanted to go on the cruise. She was like, I'm 60. I feel like I would be too old there. I would feel out of place. And I was like, not at all. There's literally every single age and every single group and every single kind of person on that cruise. And I like like said to her, I was like, you should go on the next one. You will have a great time. There's... You know, you won't feel out of place. No, not at all. Kind of, if you're the kind of person who thinks I would like to go on that cruise, guess what? You're the kind of person who would fit in on that cruise. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny. It's 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 amazing. Like Minnesota State Fair and the Nassau Coliseum, I would say, were probably my two favorites with them um, that I've done. Uh, other than that, maybe like the Wang Theater in Boston was pretty special. Oh, that's um, pretty cool. That was real. Done, the, the Wilbur Theater in Boston is one of my favorite ones to do. Yeah. And, yeah. And also the Moore Theater in Seattle is pretty great and the Paramount Theater is pretty great. Well and like you have it seems like, you know, you do a couple of repetitive shows with them on the West Coast where I do, you know, the Foxwoods yeah, and the Borgata yeah, and the you Yeah, know, exactly. You so, do all the East Coast you kinda got the East Coast run. I kinda get the West Coast. Yeah. We should switch one day and you uh yeah. and you do those. But um 
tell everybody like, you know, so what's going on with, with the, in the world of JF? So like, what, where are you next and, and where can people find you and, and all that uh, stuff? When are you going to be out with the guys? Okay, cool. Uh, tomorrow, then Thursday, I'm headlining Helium Portland in Portland nice. for one night. So if anyone's around, come to that show. That would be amazing. And what is the website for the listeners? Uh, www.jf, like the initials, harris.com. So jfharris.com. Awesome, and it's dude. The same, and my Instagram is the JF Harris, uh, and Twitter is the JF Harris. Awesome. And if any of your fans know anything about Twitter or Instagram, uh, there's both JF Harris has been sat on on Instagram and Twitter for years with people who do not use those accounts. And I would love to just have straight up J.F. Harris. And if you want to get somebody off of those MTS <laughs> accounts, I would love that. All right. Dude, thank you so much for chatting. It was a pleasure, yeah, uh, as always, and a good pleasure. hang on the boat. Yeah. Um, as always, listeners, thank you guys so much. Um, again, head over iTunes. Give us a five-star review and a rating. MikeFanoia.com for dates. I am going to be at the Borgata in Atlantic City uh, all next week. I'm going to be working on a new hour at the Fat Black Pussycat. Go to ComedyCellar.com oh, nice. oh, for tickets. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in New York uh, February 24th and 25th for two nights. I'm coming in to see the Colin Quinn show. Oh, great. Uh, yeah, I start a new uh, uh, writing gig in a, in a couple weeks, so I decided I'm going to pop out there quick before that starts too. Awesome. Um, go That's see so that. cool. So the 24th and 25th, I'll be in New York City doing stand up, and I'll put it up on my website once I know. Awesome, awesome. I got a comedy connection, Rhode Island coming up, DC Improv, Comedy Works in Denver, bunch of great dates. So everybody, head to Mike Fenoya for dates. JF, one more time, thanks again, bud. Of course, buddy. Thank and you. Uh, we'll catch you guys all on the flip side. Peace out. Adios, amigos.